This week on Nearly Numinous, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty about Christmas. We're talking about how Christmas has become a religion of its own. We get into some theoretical stuff like Clifford Geertz, but also chat about our favorite traditions, holiday films, and why Christmas has meaning for each of us. Most of you, and maybe all of you, know that Christmas is traditionally a holiday surrounding the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, who is seen in Christian traditions as the Son of God. There's some extremely interesting history, but we don't have enough time to go in-depth on all of the nuances of Christmas. But there are a few interesting points we thought we'd give you before diving into the bulk of the episode. Okay, so mostly I just want to talk about my favorite history surrounding Christmas, and that's the history of the Christmas tree. So before it was brought into the Christian celebration of Christmas, evergreen trees were symbolic across a lot of different cultures, especially throughout the winter. This was because they would stay green all year round. So in the winter, when everything was dead and gray, the evergreen provided a way to liven up the home and put a bit of warmth and light into the grayness of winter. People would often place them in windows, above doorways, and just throughout the house. So what's interesting about that is it was not only for decoration, but many people actually had superstitions surrounding it. And some people believed that having evergreen trees and boughs around their house would ward off evil spirits. From more of a significant religious standpoint, many cultures that went through deep winters where many plants died would often view that as symbolic of the death of a god or even the sickness of a god. So, for example, in Egypt, they believed that through the winter, their sun god, Ra, would either be sick or dying. So at the turn of the solstice, when it was seen that the god was recovering from his sickness, they would use the evergreen tree to decorate as symbolic of life winning over death. This was also common with the Romans during Saturnalia, which we often associate with the traditions Christians adopted for the celebration of Christmas, but we also see it with Druids and the Vikings. So we all know that Christmas is a religious holiday, but is Christmas also a a religion of its own? To help us consider this, we're going to consult the definition of religion as theorized by Clifford Geertz, who was an American anthropologist that passed away in 2006. So his definition of religion goes like this. A religion is a system of symbols which acts to establish powerful, pervasive, and long-lasting moods in men and women. (laughs) By form- and non-binary <laughs> Very true. by formulating conceptions of a general order of existence and clothing those conceptions with such an aura of factuality that the moods and motivations seem uniquely realistic so there's a lot there so we're, we're going to break it down but looking specifically at christmas and how it may fit into this framework Yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful. So for the first part of Geertz's definition of religion, it states that religion is a system of symbols. So if we're applying to this this to Christmas, uh, what are some of the symbols that you guys associate with Christmas? I think of Christmas decorations and lights and the Christmas tree, which... Like the tree! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think of all of the rituals associated with Christmas. So I think this is different for every person and every family, but in general, general, I see dinners, giving gifts, putting out your stockings, Christmas baking, watching Christmas movies together and things like that. Obviously Santa Claus, reindeer, Rudolph, any other mythological Christmas figure like uh, Krampus, who is a new favorite of mine. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. 
a little bit. Tell us more, though. So Krampus is sort of seen as the antithesis of Santa Claus. So um, he, while Santa gives coal to bad children, Chris Krampus sort of uh, actually punishes them. And in some traditions, like, eats them whole or, like, takes them down to hell or something. Oh <laughs> He's kind of, like, a really hardcore uh, Christmas mythological figure. And there's some really great movies about him that I might mention a little later on. <laughs> Fascinating. But the second part of Geertz's definition states that... Um, it builds off the system of symbols, which he says acts to establish powerful, pervasive, and long-lasting moods in men, women, and non-binary folks by formulating conceptions of a, con- of a general order of existence. Yeah, so this makes me think, uh, like, specifically the long-lasting mood. I think of, you know, Christmas cheer and giving and caroling. Um, I also think about the effect that Santa Claus can have on the behavior of children, Um, Throughout the year, although I think most children tend to forget about um, being good for Santa um, until like maybe like November. Well, you mentioned uh, Santa not being in the minds of children all year round. uh, But actually, fun, fun little anecdote is I my aunt and uncle, their their grandchild, they kind of like ham it up for him throughout the year. So if if, you know, my uh, my cousin's child acts up. Uh, they'll actually like kind of message my aunt and uncle and my uncle will like get on the phone and like impersonate Santa No, and and remind him that he needs to be a good boy or else he's not going to get any gifts for Christmas. It's actually quite hilarious. (laughs) And he like calls him on his birthday, which is like in September. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they they use this to kind of like keep him from misbehaving. Oh my God, that kid is going to grow up and feel so betrayed by his family. (laughs) <laughs> so the final aspect of Geertz's definition says that these symbols clothe those conceptions with such an aura of factuality that the moods and motivations seem uniquely realistic. And that's a bit of a mouthful, but pretty much what I get from that, if we're talking about this in the context of Christmas, and especially Santa Claus, is that these symbols of Christmas become so pervasive and realistic that things like like Santa Claus seems so real, especially to children. And they become such a concrete part of a yearly tradition and even everyday life for some people. So just like how we presented Durkheim's theory of religion in our episode on Harry Potter, this is just one more perspective on how we can kind of categorize and classify religion. In Geertz's definition of religion, we're missing classic things like a supernatural element, or feelings of euphoria that often come with transcendent experiences. But even some of those things can be found throughout Christmas traditions. So part of what makes Christmas so special for me is pretty much how pervasive it is in our culture. Like it literally seeps into all aspects of life during December and you can't escape the music or the lights or the food and Rather than just being a family tradition, it becomes a culture-wide tradition that everybody shares and indulges in at the same time. And I just think that's so special. And that's part of why Christmas is just such a happy time for me. What about you guys? I think the thing that makes it so special to me is is pretty similar to yours. Um, But I think 
beyond the culture-wide thing, I even think that there's certain emphasis on things like giving and loving others and spending time with family. So, so that's maybe something that's cross-culture, but when it comes down to it, it's, it's a way to kind of reaffirm your own community and feel connected to your own community, even if you aren't religious, you know, um, even if you don't participate in, in quote-unquote the Christian Christmas. Yeah, and something else, um, Steph mentioned the whole thing about giving. And that's definitely, I like, that's probably why Christmas is so prevalent in our culture is because we're a capitalist consumerist culture. And so... <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> and so the the whole gift giving, um, obviously, like with, with stores really amping up those, those decorations, it, it really... Um, really adds to the Christmas season. My mom would always talk about when she was a kid, she would go to the Bay and that was really huge thing because, uh, or was it, was it the Bay or was it Sears? Sears, The Sears Sears. catalog? No, it was, um, well, the Sears catalog. Yeah, that's true. But Eaton's. Eaton's. (laughs) Oh, the Eaton center. Yeah. So my mom would go to Eaton's and it would be all decorated. I think the Bay too, but like Eaton's especially. Yeah, I used um, to go every year with my mom in Toronto to the oh. Eaton Center, and they would always, like, decorate it over the top. It's beautiful. Yeah, and there's there's something about that when, uh, I don't know, like, those, when those big department stores just have all, all the decorations everywhere, and it's just so beautiful. Um, so that definitely helps you get into the Christmas spirit as you're Christmas shopping. Um, yeah, I don't know. And sometimes you get to meet Santa there, too. Yeah, Santa's there. Oh, mall Santa's. So that whole like mall, the whole like experience of going to the mall at Christmas time. Um, maybe getting some hot chocolate at Timmy's or something too. Um, really adds to that that like outing. Um, although especially a peppermint hot chocolate. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I just like had a flashback though of like parking at the mall at Christmas time. And like, yeah, once you're in the mall, it's fine. But uh <laughs> getting to the mall um maybe gets you a little bit out of the Christmas spirit but uh then you get into the mall and then it comes back again but I also uh think about like Christmas units in school uh especially in French class where you would learn the vocab of like uh bouche de noel or just like you would learn about Christmas traditions in other cultures I remember there's this one unit maybe in grade eight that I did where like we all chose a country and chose a specific tradition um from from that country and then we would give a powerpoint presentation and we were also supposed to bring like baking or something if there was baking from that country that was traditional <laughs> and it was just like you know it's just there's something special about that too uh like at school uh largely because of the food um yeah i think too though on that note you know every single school and like in in canada and most workplaces you get time off for christmas mm-hmm. you know and it's it's very symbolic of like time to like sit back rest take a breath you know reconnect with like things that aren't your job or your schooling or whatever right so I'm curious about uh some of the specific symbols or traditions that are are really important to each of you guys because I think there's there's something so you know despite the fact that this is a culture-wide thing everyone has their own personal traditions and their things that they really connect with over the holidays for me, I mean, obviously, like the Christmas tree, the baking, uh, carols sung by Bing Crosby. He's a classic Christmas singer in my house. Um, something we 
never really did in my house, but I remember a lot from school when I was younger with the Advent candles. So like lighting up the purple candles for the first few weeks of Christmas, I believe it was. And then the pink candle for the last one, I think that's how it goes. Um, I just loved seeing that each year in school. And then do you guys know the 12 Days of Canadian Christmas song? No. No. <laughs> no? Okay. So it goes like instead of like in a partridge and a partridge in a pear tree, it goes like and a beer. Oh, no, I have heard that. And then also, like I mentioned earlier, there's Krampus. Uh, if you haven't seen it, there's this amazing movie called Krampus the Christmas Devil. It's just hilariously bad. Um, though pretty much all Krampus movies in general are just hilariously bad. So you should definitely check those out. Well, what about you guys? So Christmas books um, have always been really important to me. So my mom bought... Uh, Jan Brett's Christmas Treasury um, when I was younger. And so for those that don't know, Jan Brett is um, this author and illustrator and uh, she wrote The Mitten, if you know that story. So in that story, I don't want to like spoil it, but I guess it's a fairly short story. So <laughs> um, I guess it wouldn't be like spoiling too much, but essentially this kid like loses a mitten and these animals, it's a white mitten and it's uh, winter and this child's uh, grandmother, I believe, was like, no, like, like, be very careful. It's, it's a white mitten. Like, you can't lose it in the snow. And then, of course, the child loses it. And it's wool. And so it expands. And so, like, like a mouse goes in there. And then, like, it grows. And then, it, like, a fox goes in, in there. I'm missing some animals for sure. And then, like, a bear goes in there, too. And, like, so it's this, like, massive mitten. And then, like, it explodes. And then the, the mitten's, like, floating up in the sky. And the child sees it. And, like, finds the mitten again so that's a pretty like classic have you heard that story I have not really um okay and so she writes a whole bunch more like that and what's really unique about Jan Brett's books is that they're super detailed they're super beautiful but then also um there's usually panels on the sides or at the bottom that might show like um I think in the mitten it shows like what what uh animal is coming next like um, like it's like walking by, but then there's also another one where, I don't know, there's just like, there's like a little, there's a detail that happens on each page in this separate panel. So I think in one, there's like a burrow where a hedgehog is like living its life in the burrow, like moving around its little apartment, like taking naps and stuff. And it's just so cute. Um, so I would read that every Christmas because there would also be, uh, yeah, that, like the, the mitten one isn't necessarily like Christmas centered, it's winter centered, but there's also ones that are like, like about Christmas and so I'd always um read that that book I also had this really cute Christmas pop-up book um that you could like pull out it had four rooms and so you could like like bend the the cover back and like tie it and then like it would be like Santa's workshop oh and, that's so cool yeah it was my favorite and I had like little um oh like paper like there was what are those called like paper figurines uh, yeah cutouts paper cut yeah yeah um there was like paper figurine cutouts um of like I think there was Santa there was a polar bear and there's a penguin and you could kind of like play with them and like move them about and I would always I always needed to do that like at least once every Christmas just like pull them out. <laughs> just because I was <laughs> a weird kid but it was super fun and um Another like really important Christmas tradition for me was um, my 
mom would uh like she had this recipe from my oma uh, my oma is my grandma and um we call them oma cookies um which isn't <laughs> actually what they're called but uh they're they're essentially molasses cookies with tra- translucent icing but what's really significant is like um it was it's just a, like one of those recipes that's passed on throughout the generations and so we would always make that and some other cookies and listen to point of grace christmas like the christmas album while we baked cook while we baked cookies and it was just like um yeah like we always needed to listen to that album while while baking so i still um like when i'm baking christmas cookies i'll i'll pull out that album um around christmas time just because it like really gets me in the the baking the christmas baking spirit well, and I'm sure the cookies wouldn't taste as good if you weren't making them while you were listening to this album. It's it, very true. It's all part of the process. And like singing in the harmonies, that's another thing is like, there's four part harmonies. Um, and so clearly- Do you hit all four of them? Uh, I can't quite like go, do like the tenor voice, but uh, <laughs> I, w- I would definitely, yeah, I would. <laughs> I would just sing it in a different octave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very necessary. You need to like, jump around the harmonies to- uh, yeah I don't know to really have that full experience my mom would like like we would trade harmonies and stuff yeah yeah have either of you ever gone caroling yes I've always wanted to but um I'm not an outgoing person so so that's not gonna happen I also can't actually sing very well so that's the main thing I've done lots of caroling um especially in high school I was part of a jazz choir and we actually like um like we rehearsed different uh, Christmas hymns and carols and we would uh, get get paid to sing at like different events, which was really fun. Um, and also like I've definitely, I can't remember if with that group, if we went door to door, but I've also done that as well. Um, that's fun too. People tend to give you cookies. <laughs> Good so, to know. Yeah. I don't think this is the year to try it, but maybe next year I'll, well, like, I'll do it. Distancing, you know. Yeah, like, but then you're you aren't gonna get cookies. No, you're not gonna get cookies. Yeah. That's the downside. <laughs> anyway, um some of my favorite traditions. I think one of the big ones for me is Christmas movies. So I have kind of like my s- standard lineup. I always watch White Christmas, which is a classic. It's like the classic of all classic Christmas movies, I think. Uh, I also love the Polar Express. I'm such a sucker for the music in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, like the whole storyline is just beautiful. And Elf. Um, I actually yeah. get like quite emotional at the end of Christmas movies, <laughs> especially like the Polar Express and Elf. The whole thing is like believe in Santa and you'll make his sleigh fly. And I always tear up. I'm such an emotional <laughs> wreck about it. <laughs> But I think too, you know, like eggnog lattes, I love, mm. or boozy eggnogs, depending on what time of the day it is. Sometimes I mix it if it's Christmas Day and time doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, you know, like twinkle lights, stockings. You know, I always remember when I was a kid, um, my parents had a rule. So me and my brother are about five years apart, and then my sister is much older. So Uh, We wouldn't really bother her because she was a grumpy teenager first thing in the morning. But my parents said to me and my brother, they're like, you can't wake us up before 7 a.m. on Christmas Day. And then as we got older, it like shifted to like 8 (laughs) a.m. But what we would do is when I was like a really little kid, I'm talking like four or five, we would, my parents would, uh, or Santa would put our stockings at the end of our bed. 
And so me and my brother would like wake up at like four in the morning and just be so excited. And like, we'd hang out in like one of, one of our rooms and like go through our stocking and then we'd like repack it. And then at seven, we'd go wake up my parents and like, we'd all sit on their bed and we'd like go through our stocking as if we hadn't seen it yet. We had, (laughs) they were dumb. So yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. So those are some of my favorite traditions. Um, but I don't know if, uh, so if anybody's seen my last name, they probably know I'm of Dutch heritage. <laughs> Only the Dutch people like to throw J's where they don't belong. Um, <laughs> but there's a tradition. Have you guys ever heard of Sinterklaas? Only yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically Sinterklaas is, you know, the kind of Dutch version of Santa Claus. The name's very similar. And so uh, my my immediate family doesn't participate in this as much, but like my extended family does, and we still kind of like enjoy the traditions. But um, the, they're celebrated on, so Sinterklaas Day is celebrated on December 5th and 6th, rather than like the 25th. And so on December 5th, children put out their shoes by the fireplace. So instead of stockings, they put out wooden shoes because they're very Dutch and they need to do everything very Dutch all the time. Uh, so then Sinterklaas will come and, you know, fill the shoes. Uh, but he also has an assistant called Svarte Piet, who has been a lot in the news lately. <laughs> I even actually found an article that even Kim Kardashian, like, put her two cents into the argument about Svetopit. Is she Dutch? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. So anyway, if you haven't heard, um, Svetopit is it's it's Dutch for Black Pete, and this tradition has come under fire for recent years because Svetopit is typically depicted wearing blackface. Uh, so you know, some contemporary apologists like to argue that he's actually covered in soot because of going down the chimney and working in the coal mines, etc. Uh, but it's uh, if you Google pictures of Svartapit, it's pretty obvious that it, it's blackface and not just him covered in soot and chimney dust. Well, there was a few that we found that that he was actually just covered in, in soot, but it it was definitely in the minority of the depictions. Yeah. Also, his name is Black Pete. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> you know, I, I love my Dutch heritage for some things, but uh, that's that's a questionable one for sure. Especially because, like, it's pretty common for for Dutch people to dress up like Svartapit. So, like, there's parades where it's just like a bunch of people in blackface, and it's it's question it's questionable, and that's the nice way to put it. It's it's questionable. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about how Christmas can kind of be seen as its own religion, based on you know it it kind of has those features that Clifford Geertz defined as being you know intrinsically religious. And so I'm just wondering, you know, how does that play into then, we've got this narrative lately that there's this war on Christmas, um, especially from, you know, the Christian right wing and the US a lot, a little bit in Canada. Um, But, you know, it's this idea of like, well, if you don't say Merry Christmas, you're taking Christ out of Christmas. Um, But, you know, I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on this, because to me, if you use the argument that Christmas is kind of expanded beyond the Christian tradition, then does it matter if we say Merry Christmas or is it still so linked to Christmas? It's like, or is it so linked to Christianity itself that there's no way to take it away from its Christian roots? 
so I mean obviously Christmas has become sort of secularized in that uh, it's a lot less about specifically like Jesus Christ it's more often seen as a celebration of like Santa and general like gift giving and charity which can be seen as Christian values but aren't necessarily specifically linked to Christmas so much anymore and I mean now it's like a government holiday uh people from all religions get it off um so I can see why some people would say that it is sort of secularized but I mean there's still that religious element to Christmas like songs on the radio people will play during Christmas time like um what is it like silent night uh what are other super christian christmas songs that you can think of i was talking to another friend recently uh she was listening to the version of oh christmas tree done by aretha franklin and that song has some kind of christian stuff in it but i guess aretha just like takes it away and just talks about like jesus the birth of jesus and stuff which makes sense for Aretha because I think she was pretty outspoken about her Christian faith but anyway my point is though is you know you even get non-religious celebrities doing renditions of these like very highly religious Christmas carols that you know and it's not even just like oh silent night holy night it's like Jesus is the king Jesus has been born and like that is in you can't take that out of like a christian setting (laughs) at all very did you know yeah exactly yeah and rachel um you were saying that uh christmas has largely turned secular and then that makes me think about that makes me think about how uh various values that would um maybe be seen as being like christian ethics but obviously aren't exclusive to christianity but uh, how at christmas time there's this uh, focused on joy and peace and love and um, how um, those two have become secular, secularized a little bit um, to, uh, to make Christmas more accessible to those that aren't Christian. And so there's uh, this um, almost religious fervor that comes to just, uh, yeah, like Christmas cheer, for example, um, that isn't necessarily religiously linked, but still kind of has that sort of... Uh, fervor that um is is very important at christmas time like it, it does it it almost wouldn't feel like christmas if there wasn't christmas cheer or um emphasis on uh caring for others or or donating um that's a big part of christmas too so yeah i'm not sure um we have been saying christmas throughout this episode instead of like happy holidays obviously at this point I think though what I'm interested in in getting more into is Christmas movies Mm. specifically I'd really like to talk about Hallmark movies because I think it's such this like I call it a microcosm but there's thousands of those movies so it's not micro (laughs) but it's like a microcosm of this like Christmas debate right because technically these are secular movies quote-unquote you know, most of these Hallmark movies that I've seen, at least in the past few years, they don't talk, like, they maybe mention going to church, but it's usually in passing, but for the most part, they aren't talking about 
Christmas as a religious holiday. Like no part of religion gets brought into the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but- Christmas itself becomes a sacred holiday, even when it's detached from Jesus and Christianity and church and all that. Exactly. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of these, like you were saying, Jacqueline, like religious elements that are kind of brought into the secular, you know? Hallmark movies are so, they have such this strange feel to them. And while I was researching for the episode uh, and going through the 8,000 articles, which talk about uh, how the 8,000 Hallmark movies out there are all the same, I found this really good quote, which says, Hallmark Christmas movies feel nostalgic for something half understood, like those episodes of The Twilight Zone where somebody travels back to the 1890s or the 1910s in hopes of chasing some America that has been lost to the mists of time, except where the Twilight Zone traveler eventually realizes the error of his or her ways, a a Hallmark protagonist comes to love living in the bubble, or the snow globe, if you will. And when these movies are done well, their most fervent fans are right there ready to embrace that snow globe themselves. I think that's especially interesting with, so there's one thing I've specifically noticed that I think lends itself to this, and that every single Hallmark movie that I've watched promotes this idea of small town, small businesses being run by family. So usually I find that either the woman or the man comes from this big, bad corporate background, and they're coming in either because they're going to buy the small business or they used to live there and they have to come and like do something for the community that they don't want to do but it's always that they're coming from this like big corporate background in like New York or Chicago um and so but then they go through this process of like feeling this nostalgia that you were talking about and then you know by the end they've quit their job to work at this small local business that they were trying to bulldoze And it's always like a bookstore or a bakery or a hotel, you know, and it's always like these very family run and family owned things. So they get brought into this family as well, even if it's not their own biological family. Typically, they end up like falling in love with one of the owners or the owner's son or whatever. And I think this this sort of idealization is what can be so special about Christmas, too. And even though it's maybe you know, very kind of like make America great again kind of vibes of like old and small businesses and this is always better. You know, there is some sort of nostalgia about feeling connected to your community and being part of your family. And it's something that's very idealized about Christmas. You know, you even think of all the songs like I'll be home for Christmas or making it home for the holidays and that kind of theme. So yeah, Steph, you were mentioning like there's always like a bookstore or a bakery, some small town business. Um, there's like this big city crawler guy. Like it's just so interesting that they uh, reuse a lot of the same tropes in these Hallmark movies, but they also tend to like amplify these uh, stalker token characters or tropes by like a thousand in Christmas movies. So one of the things that I've noticed when I'm watching Hallmark movies, especially Hallmark Christmas movies, is uh, usually everyone is white, except for the secondary character, who usually only serves as like a foil for the main character, or a plot driver. 
um, usually they're sometimes they're like a best friend or a wise old local. And uh, Steph and I were talking about this a bit. Uh, when they're not white, they're uh, usually black. You never really see any other um, any other races, like no Asians, Hispanics, Indians. It's either you're white or black, and you're mostly going to be white in these movies. Yeah, and I find too. Um most of the Hallmark movies even if there is a black character it's usually put into this kind of like white idealized you know 1950s society too mm-hmm. that's a very good point yeah well and then on top of it um it, it's almost exclusively straight couples and and I do know that they're apparently premiering their first gay lead couple this year um so I mean small progress is progress I guess (laughs) but it's still very um it's just reminiscent of the kind of society that we were talking about in our American capitalism episode where we talked about that kind of idealization of small business working hard you know that kind of theme so I don't actually watch a lot of Hallmark movies um but I was just thinking um there are some friends of mine who have to watch Die Hard every Christmas. And so I was just wondering, what makes a Christmas movie a Christmas movie? Does it have, like, is it just, um, does it, is it a Christmas movie just if it takes place over Christmas? Or does there have to be something else um, about the movie that makes it a Christmas movie? I only realized a couple of years ago that people think that The Holiday with like Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz is a Christmas movie because I used to just watch it all year round because to me it's not very Christmassy. But it's, like it takes place in winter, but I didn't find it Christmassy, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. That's actually, uh, I'll be talking about that movie a little bit later because that is to me the only Christmas movie that I like need to watch every year um and see I would watch it in the middle of the summer and have no problem with that yeah that's fair like it does take place in LA I guess so it can also have more of a like a warm weather summery feel um but yeah no for me um I'll probably talk about this a little bit later too but um I don't really like like cheesy movies um they're very hard for me to watch after like I don't know. I, I can only take so so much of them in Hallmark movies. Kind Do of. you suffer from secondhand embarrassment? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's yes. a real problem with me, too. Makes um, it hard to watch those. Really? Yeah. I had that problem with uh, The Christmas Prince, specifically. Like, I could only get 15 minutes in. I did, the second time I watched it, I, I was able to watch it. But the first time, I like, I just, that's not a Hallmark movie, but um, just kind of like that certain cheese that a lot of Christmas movies have. Um, I, I can't deal with a lot of a lot of them. So for me, the holiday is like the main Christmas movie that I watch. Is is your inability to deal with the Christmas cheese because you're lactose intolerant? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. So I personally don't care if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. But if we're going back to uh the definition of religion that was we were talking about by Geertz earlier, then I would say, like, yes, even if 
uh, it worked for the fact that Die Hard is set on Christmas Eve, I believe. Um, if we're using Geertz's system of symbols um, and his understanding of religion, I would say that just the fact that we even have to ask this question, uh, that it's become such an iconic part of Christmas, whether or not you think it is a Christmas movie means it actually is a Christmas movie. If we're just, and that's just going by the Geertz definition of religion. Rachel, before you mentioned that um, certain values of Christmas kind of end up having a sacred value, even though they're largely secular, but there's still the sacredness uh, associated with them. And that makes me think of uh, what I like to call Christmas evangelism that I see in a lot of Christmas movies. So in uh, like Christmas movies for kids, often that'll center around uh, discussions of keeping the faith in Santa Claus. So I think of the Holiday Express where um, like, do you mean the Polar Express? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think about the Polar Express and that whole theme about, yeah, believing in Santa Claus, but then there's also uh, like the sleigh bell that the boy gets. And if you can hear the sleigh bell, that means that you still believe in Santa Claus. And so there's this this glorification of childhood innocence in a lot of these uh, Christmas movies for, for kids that I think about. Um, but then for Christmas movies for non-kids. Um, like, like adult Christmas movies? Is that what you're saying, Jacqueline? Yeah. Adult Christmas movies? I love adult Christmas movies. I watch so many of them. <laughs> We're going to have to put the explicit rating on this episode. (laughs) Yeah, so Christmas movies for non-Santa believers. Um, There's also this this kind of Christmas evangelism that that happens. And Steph uh, Steph mentioned this a little bit um, before about uh, the whole like corporate kind of evangelism, maybe to the like the family owned businesses. But then there's also very much this this evangelism of yeah, maybe this like corporate um, Scrooge that comes into the small town without Christmas cheer and then falls in love with this this really happy Christmas spirited uh, love interest. And so there's this kind of uh, evangelism that happens there of like converting the like the Scrooge to the Christmas spirit and showing them the true nature of Christmas. Or, um, so then by by the end of the movie, very often. Um, this person will be uh, be converted to to Chris Christmas loving to, to loving. What, okay, if Christmas is a religion, what should we call it? <laughs> Christmas. It needs to be a like Christmasism, right? Like Chris, it should be an ism. Christmasism. Christmasism. Yeah. Okay, Christmasism. So, like by the end of the movie, often they're converted to Christmasism. Um, TM. <laughs> we're trademarking that. And it reminds me of, I'm not sure if this has happened to anybody else, but I have this problem sometimes where I go on Netflix and I pick around a movie and I think it's going to be this small indie movie and it ends up like, but then 30 minutes in, all of a sudden, the love interest um, that is in this movie, you find out, oh, they're actually Christian. And the movie becomes not just about this love story, but also about uh, converting like this grumpy corporate person to Christianity. Um, And so... Christmas movies kind of remind me of those, the tropes that happen in um, those those bad uh, Christian movies. I I I don't really like Christian movies. I don't know. 
Yeah, I still remember when God's Not Dead came out and there was this whole like buzz about it because it was like one of the first Christian movies that was in theaters in a really long time. Yeah. And I went to go see it and I was like, eh, it's just poorly made. Yeah, that's the thing. They're think- like, it's okay that it's poorly made because we're trying to get a wholesome message across. And you're like, no, you still need to make a good movie, buddy. <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> yeah, the best thing in Christian media is the original Veggie Tales. This is true. You are correct. I stand behind you on that one. Then there's Christmas Veggie Tales too. I will have you know. No, I'm standing behind Christian Mingle is the best Christian movie. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. It's amazing. You guys need to watch it. There's the most white bread love interest. Uh, there's like uh, a finding yourself story. Um, there's of course like lots of promo for the site Christian Mingle. It's just amazing. You gotta watch it. And you said it was rebranded as a Christmas movie? Yeah, so every so often uh, they rebrand it as, like, Christmas Mingle, at least that I've seen. Christmas Mingle. (laughs) (laughs) Even even though it's got nothing to do with Christmas at all, uh, they rebrand it as a Christmas movie as well. So, you know, people can watch it at Christmas time again. So I'm curious, uh, we've mentioned our favorite or least favorite Christian movies, um, but I'm, I'm curious, what are, what are some of your favorite Christmas movies? <laughs> hey Jacqueline, what's your favorite Christmas movie? So I already mentioned this before, but yeah, The Holiday is, is it for me. It's a bit cheesy, but not too cheesy. Cameron Diaz sometimes gets on my nerves, but the rest of the characters are prime. They're just amazing. And um, I love... The, the picturesque little uh, English cottage that Cameron Diaz's character goes to. It's like a Christmas card. Okay, but it's also super fulfilling, fulfilling because you've got the quaint little cottage uh-huh. in England, but then you also have the really rich mansion and you kind of get to enjoy both of those things. It's really true. Yeah, yeah I really like uh, Kate Winslet's character as well. She's like just a very endearing character and then her friendship with Arthur Abbott oh my gosh just like my heart oh and then Jack Black's character is just so funny I love that scene where they walk through the movie store and he's just like singing the songs of the movies and then this famous like like this other famous I don't know how to explain that this like famous um, actor from one of those movies walks by and like makes kind of like awkward eye contact with with the camera do you know, did you notice that? I don't think I've noticed that. Yeah, so it's like somebody from one of those movies is like in the store while he's singing these songs for like like the opening credits or whatever of the songs. I don't know. It's just so. But yes, back back to in England, like Jew Law is the love interest. And then, then he has these two cute, like they're so cute and little Mr. girls. Mr. Napkinhead. I love that scene with Mr. Napkinhead. Ugh. <laughs> uh, and then, ugh. Uh, that's just Christmas for me just hot chocolate and <clears throat> cute children I guess this is true because I have nieces and nephews and we drink hot chocolate so. that's fair yeah. side note I feel like we should host a Christmas movie like we should watch the holiday and host it on Netflix party oh, and see yeah. if any of our listeners want to like come in and chat with us I'm so I'm- down for that <laughs> honestly we like I just want to watch the movie so you might as well yeah, make it some fun that's true let's do anyway. it what about you Rachel what's your favorite Christmas movie um I haven't watched the holiday in years but now that you brought it up Jacqueline I'm really gonna have to watch that again uh but my mom and I or at least I usually always watch the sound of music so 
even though it isn't like strictly a Christmas movie, I've begun to think of it as one, kind of like what I was saying with Die Hard earlier. Um, and then, I don't think you're alone in that argument, though. I've seen a lot of other people that say that The Sound of Music is actually a bit of a Christmas movie. How? Right? I like. I wonder why that it's become like sort of a Christmas movie because even though like Die Hard is set on Christmas Eve, like I said, I do they is there Christmas in The Sound of Music? I don't remember. I feel like there's one scene. Yeah, so it's just like sort of so irrelevant, but it's become like associated with Christmas in my mind, and it's it just reminds me of Christmas. I have to watch it every year. Um, and then back when I lived with friends, um, we would always watch Elf. So uh, even though like I'm not, I or at least I didn't used to be the biggest fan of Will Ferrell. I've come to love that movie over the years and like I have to watch that every year because it's just it's Christmas to me and then of course uh love actually is a classic true true I actually hate that movie though I think I watched it too much what's that one about love actually Mm -hmm. it's like the first like vignette movie so you know how like after they came out with like valentine's day and new year's eve and like all those like vignette movies or he's just not that into you that's a great movie by the way um the this one is all about it's like christmas themed but it's got like an all-star cast um like martin freeman's in it um so many big names liam neeson yeah um like separate stories mr bean Yes, they're all, like, different stories. They kind of, like, intertwine at different spots, but, like, they're all, like, separate stories. Mm. Um, Oh, shoot. Who's that? Natalie Portman? Like, I probably watched it. Um, Alan Rickman. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you might... It's, like, the... It's, like, one of the most, like, classic. It was, like, the first movie of that style, but now it's been overdone. And then... um... Krampus the Christmas Devil isn't yet a yearly tradition for me, but I'm 100% going to make it a yearly tradition because that's some that's some good Christmas cheer if I've ever seen it. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I've never heard of it before. I've like vaguely heard of Krampus, but I didn't know about this movie. I'm excited to check it out. Please do. Do you think that Christmas is Christian, secular, or its own holiday that is its own religion and is kind of like huh, snowballed, get it, into its own thing. I vote for option C. Yeah, the way I and my family celebrate it is it's kind of its own thing. We're not very, I mean, we're not really Christian and we don't celebrate it as a Christian holiday. We celebrate it as something itself. Like, I'm Christian and I, for me, I see Christmas as two separate things. Like I never grew up going to a, like a Christmas morning service because we lived in the country and just be like too much of a hassle to, to like drive in for that. We would sometimes go to the Christmas Eve service, but um, for me, I, I think that was later in my childhood anyway because I think we went like a couple times when I was younger and we would just like cry and so my parents just avoided that for a really long time and so for me Christmas there's this like there's a separation on the same day though I'm, I'm not really sure how to explain that so like they happen simultaneously but for me they're separated in my head so like Christmas isn't necessarily about Jesus's birth but it also is but it's also like 
No, I get it. Yeah, does that make sense? So it's like, it's about Santa Claus and Jesus. And they don't necessarily commingle. Yeah. But they happen at the same time. Are you saying that Jesus and Santa aren't homies? <laughs> They're both into giving. <laughs> <laughs> Another BFFs for sure. Jesus actually, uh, when he rose again, he went to the North Pole and has just been like chilling out with Santa Claus. That's <laughs> Literally <rare>. chilling. Oh man. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> no, but I totally get that. I, I think to me, Christmas both exists as a religious holiday and a secular holiday, but they're not two separate things, nor are they the same thing. I think it's way too complex to kind of try to make an overarching decision on, even though I was the one that asked the question. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. This is going to be our last episode for 2020. So thanks for tuning in this year while we started this this fun project. And uh, a nice big old Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays to everyone that tunes in and listens. Merry Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs>